Hello listener and welcome to a brand new episode of the Keeping Up Appearances podcast, full of opinion, debate and football trivia with a hint of nostalgia. I'm Callum Murray and here with me is... Sean O'Hara, Bob Gall and Michael Tosh. They say not to judge a book by its cover, but we might judge a player by their appearance. Let's get into it. It's working now. I definitely need my picture change in there because I've aged terribly since I've taken. Don't be hard on yourself, Bob. You were a bit, you're a bit muffly. You might have to speak quite clearly. I'll try that better. He already, yeah, put, yeah. He already put a different voice on. <laughs> when you're media trained like me, Bob, it's talking to me. Which is on and off, doesn't it? You can tell. It's a CNN voice. Uh, you said the Trump. What's your GB News voice, Cal? I'd be on Alter Ego on GB News, Bob. Right. Paddy, you need, you need to back yourself here. I really don't want to do that. <laughs> well, got Phil Devine on there. In the Lions, then. About, I, I asked Phil what he thought of it, and he like agreed with everything we said, so I don't even think he'd yeah. argue. No, we don't want that. I don't know if he'd agree to that. I'm going to say. <laughs> Yeah, so well, should we just say, or should we just do that? Just and see where we are after the derby review, then, and then. And yeah. That last. yeah, see where we are after the derby review, and then we can just go straight into the keeping up periods if, if we need to, and do the derby preview later. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, the derby, the United Manchester derby preview. And just specify yeah. which derby, Colin. Well, one's a preview, one's a review. One's a review. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what that's why Fair I said enough. it. Yeah, this, he had his voice up for that as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so, professional. Tosh new. So, you ready? Yeah. The only thing I was thinking, though, is I know we should, as we always, we say we should have this conversation before. I think... We did briefly. Yeah. But I was just thinking before, if I'm doing the Charlton's, if that's, like, the reason we're doing it, that should probably come first, shouldn't it? Yeah. You know, but then it means I'm talking for quite a long time there, but no. Do some active listening while we jump in. <laughs> Stop and then Sean can put the um the clip in from Mike Bassett. It's gonna be quite difficult for my internet. We reckon to go like three minutes without a breakup, so I'm certainly not gonna do it all again. Okay. Just go last. Do the, the Yeah, I think you go last. I think it makes sense for you to actually go last, then you sort of tie it together and say can, do, can Callum go first? Because no one no one knows who he's talking about. That's fine. I will do that. Lucy said to me what you could do as well. I know, like, since there's a poll with five, you could we could all vote to get rid of one of them that's not in the poll. That's good. So the greys, then. But I was going to say this week, we don't even need to do the poll. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just don't know what Bob's going to do, but I know it's better than the greys. So. It's more, it's funnier than the greys, anyway. <laughs> yeah. We knew you wouldn't take it seriously, Bob. When have I ever taken anything seriously? He yeah. hasn't got a brother who played football, has he? Or? I did do some research, but I can't <laughs> find anything. His kids aren't old enough yet, either, yeah. so... Okay. I'm going to... I'll, I'll do their little review. I'll say we're doing football and families with news of the... Bobby. I'll mention Bob. There we go. Yeah. Go on, yeah, you, broke up, you broke up, Tosh, but yeah, that, whatever you said is fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> Get used to that one. <laughs> Come on, let's go. We need to get a move on. Okay, okay, okay. So we're back with a, a new episode of the Keeping Up Appearances podcast. It's another full lineup from us. We've drafted in another 
Liverpoolian guest. We're happy to have Paddy Fitzsimmons with us. How are you doing, Pad? A uh, bit brave coming on after the weekend. Uh, so we'll see how that chat goes later on. I'm sure you'll be all right. And yeah, glad to have you. So thanks for joining us. With the sad passing of Bobby Charlton over the weekend, obviously a giant of the game, we will do a bit of a, a special theme for uh, Maroon 5 this week, which I will let Tosh explain in a second. So yeah, we've got Maroon 5 coming up. We'll have the review of the Merseyside derby um, after that, in which Paddy might get a bit of a drilling, but we'll see. Um, and then, yeah, we'll go on to preview the Manchester derby this weekend. And we'll go on to our Keeping Up Appearances game, in which we'll have a match picked from three random games selected. So, yeah, as I've said, a giant of the game, an icon, football and legend for England and Manchester United. Um, I'll hand it over to Tosh to introduce our Maroon 5 and maybe give a couple of words. So before we move on to this week's Maroon 5, we'll have a little result. look at the results from last week. So if you remember rightly, we changed our format so that you, the, the listeners, decided who would be marooned. And an emphatic win for Marco Van Basten, getting 46% of the votes. So he'll be taking his place on the island and we'll see who joins him from this week's. So as Callum hinted, we're going to be looking at football and families and the most successful ones, linking to the sad news of Sir Bobby Charlton's passing. We might hear a bit more from about him in one of our picks. So to start us off, I think we'll go to Callum first of all. Callum, you ready for your pick for Maroon 5? Yes, I will go with mine first. I think I've been edged into doing mine first because people don't think it's a very good one. But I'll put a case forward. To be fair, I don't think... I don't think anyone else's pick will have possibly the numbers that mine has. So yeah, we'll see. So I'm going to go with the with the Greys and the Grey Dynasty of uh, Leeds United. So it actually spans over three generations. So you've got Eddie Gray and Frank Gray. So Eddie had I think over 500 games for Leeds. Um, considered one of the greatest ever players. He's kind of like the sort of Leeds legend, possibly. He's he managed Frank. for a bit as well. He took them down, Bob. Oh right, okay, legend. <laughs> <laughs> playing legend didn't say about manager so yeah he's um, yeah one of the sort of real legends his brother Frank um, played for Leeds won a European Cup with Nottingham Forest as well um, and got over I think 30 Scotland caps so I mean that was, that was just quite good for just brothers in general and then you've got their sons so Frank's son Andy played for well had quite a long career played for Leeds as well um, and then Eddie's two sons Nick and Stuart uh, Stuart Gray um, played for Celtic. Um, whilst yeah, Eddie's other son um, was at Leeds too. And then you've got the next generation. Um, so Andy's sons, Archie and Harry. Um, Archie, I think, has played nearly all minutes uh, for Leeds this season in terms of in the championship, which isn't a, an easy thing to do. I think he was training with Bielsa's Leeds from being in year 11, possibly. Um and yeah, he's sort of playing for England under the 19s now and, and tearing up there with the England youth teams. And his younger brother, Harry, uh, made his debut for the Leeds under 18s last the week before last, scored in his debut, and has been selected in the England under 16s uh, squad as well. So yeah, in terms of numbers and generations, there's maybe not many, not many three generation uh, football and families, um, you know, especially that sort of a grand a granddad who's won the European Cup and then. Um, his grandchildren are, are playing sort of at a high level. So, yeah, as a bit of maybe an 
out of the box thinking on my football family. I've gone with the with the great dynasty of Leeds United. Anyone want to chip in? All, all I know is Callum named eight footballers, and I've heard two of them. <laughs> and you didn't mention Damari. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Sean and the Andy Gray isn't the one you're thinking of. So, oh, one of them then. <laughs> no, I think I actually. I know it's first time. I think it's a very interesting show. I think, yeah, I didn't know a lot of that. I knew about Eddie Gray. I knew about, I'd, I'd read, I think, recently about an, another Gray playing. I certainly didn't know that was there was that sort of dynasty, is the word Callum used, which, yeah, fair play. I don't know. I think, obviously, yeah, I think Eddie playing in that team, that's a very famous lead side, isn't it? And I think there's a lot of, like Callum said about the Leeds legend, I think there's a few in there that one of which is probably going to get a mention later on. So I think, yeah. A good, a good guess. Like nice thinking outside the box. Yeah, well researched, but I don't think they're getting any votes other than Callum. And maybe if one of the greenies is listening, <laughs> yeah, see. the oldest one. Yeah, there's enough of them. Or if Sean uh, picks the wrong person to ask, and he gets a gets a landslide victory for yeah. on Twitter. That's I a good point, actually. Grey's nephews. Right. Any thoughts, Callum? Any last thoughts before we move it on? Uh, no, I as I say, it was just a bit of an out of the box thinking one. It's as sort of generationally, I don't, I don't know if any. I mean, I don't know what other people have picked. I doubt they would have picked the three generation one. Um, there's maybe a couple knocking about, but not many. Um, and I think this is maybe one as well for you know the the future too. If we're maybe, I don't know, if you forget into five seasons of keeping up appearances podcast, you might look back on this one as being a good show because as I say, the 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 two younger ones are young and breaking through, but I think they could be. You know, if if all goes to plan, I think they will be kind of elite and yeah, possibly top end Premier League. So you're saying we need the uh, poll to last five years just for fairness. <laughs> yeah, well, it might be, it might just be a case of revisiting it. We'll see. Yeah, long term. Fair play, put his case forward. Well, can I argue with that? Well, we did, but never mind. Sean, what are we thinking? Come on, you up second. Yeah, so my pick for Maroon Five this week is more of a modern. Picked in Callum. Callum's obviously gone back 60 years. He's clutching at straws 60 years ago. I've gone for two players who are currently playing. Not only are they playing footy, they're play, both playing at the top level, like domestically and internationally. And I've also gone outside the box and rather than looking at your traditional family of brothers, uncles, I've gone for a brother and a sister. So I've gone for Lauren and Reese James. So the reason I decided to go for these two is because I'd say probably most of us on this panel are advocates of women's football anyway. I take it you're not, Paddy. <laughs> As I said, most. You've gone. I'm interested. Yeah, you don't look it. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously we all, we all kind of have taken an interest in football tournaments in the past, specifically the World Cup in June, July this year, in which kind of Lauren James almost announced herself onto the scene, whether people had seen her in the WSL or not. We kind of see, saw how important she was to the England set-up this, this summer. But alongside that, you've got Rhys James, who he's club captain at Chelsea. He's an England regular. There's obviously big debates over the right-back position in England, but he seems to get the nod more times than not. When he's uh, not injured. Well, when he's not injured, yeah. But I think Rhys James is obviously playing at the highest level he possibly can. And I think it's telling that when you look back at their kind of upbringing in the family tree, you've got the dad who was a former footballer to a certain level himself, became a coach, coaching grassroots teams, 
Then they've got the two brothers, the elder brother, then Reese, then Lauren, all of them playing fairly high-level football from kids. The two boys in academies at Redden, I think. And then, of course, Reese at Chelsea, it's from six. And you've got Lauren James, who, from those from that age, is playing with the brothers. But she's not just like playing with the brothers like who are as good as me. She's playing with top-level top level kids, you know what I mean, with boys. And I think it shows when you look at how Lauren James plays. She shares a lot of the same skills as her brother. She's strong, she's fairly quick, really good feet. In terms of women's football, I don't mean this as a as a diss, but she's actually very good finisher, which is something that sometimes lobby the women's footballers. Um, and I think it just shows how big of an impact it was for her growing up with these boys that she had to, she had to kind of become good at footy to kind of stick it with, with the two brothers. She ended up playing Sunday League with the two boys playing in boys' teams. And then I think the most important thing is that obviously no other brother and sister have ever played for England before. But I think what sets these up as a bigger kind of deal than they may be viewed as is I think in 15 years' time with the ascendancy that women's football is going on, I think Lauren James will potentially be a bigger worldwide star than a brother, which if you asked me 10 years ago if that would ever happen, the answer would be no. And I think this the World Cup this year showed, especially that when you think about that China game and she scored the hat-trick, just how huge she can be. And then even in the final, it was always get Lauren James on, get Lauren James on. I think she she's kind of becoming the, the face of women's footy. Almost she's got like deals you see on the side of shops, and I just think for a, a little sister to be eclipsing a brother who was an England international, I just think it's unbelievable. And, it, and it's it's great, really. I think and that I, um, she's past that next generation, isn't she? Like, I know, like, as Sean mentioned, like, both, like, I remember, and you had people like, you know, like, Karen Carney and... Sue Smith. Yeah, and people like that. I think she was a bit earlier, Sue Smith. But we know even, like, Helen White, who won the thing, but we're gone. I think Lauren James, she's just a bit more, you can see, like... I think, as you said, a bit more like she just looks like a yeah, proper like she could play in the man's game without being disrespectful for some of some of the girls. You know, like she's very physical, she's fast, she's powerful. And I think you're right, and now I think she is going to be one of the leading lights. I think that was sort of the, the World Cup was a passing of the torch, really, from some of them players who've been around for five, six years to the new generation because she obviously had that sending off, didn't she? And like yeah. she struggled to get back into the team after that, really, but. You can see like a clear talent, and you know Chelsea are the leading team at the moment. Last couple of leagues, I think I might might be right be saying, and you know I think she's one of the stars of that team. Yeah, but I think that's it. The, the fact that she's had to, she's so strong, and you say she could potentially play in the men's game. That just come from a life of battling with with Reese in the garden, just like probably battering each other. And I just think it's kind of you'd have been getting injured then, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't particularly. See it with him. I don't know. I just I think all the things that tends to get thrown at Trent Trent Alexander Arnold. I think like people talk about his defense. I think he's got a lot of them sort of problems as well. And he doesn't seem to get as much stick as Arnold. And I don't think he's as good going forward. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I that's think, probably that's probably a London thing as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think yeah, I think he seems to be like you know, like there's been times in the past where he's just like walked back into the England team after injury. You know, obviously Arnold. I know has been playing recent, but. Yeah, I don't know. And obviously, you're famous for saying about your numbers, Sean. I'd, I'd like to see his numbers of sort of, I think I just had them up about playing games, you know, the last couple of years, not as maybe many as he should be playing, really. I don't know. But yeah. obviously, he's still young and he's still got a, a career. He 
he could start to solve them problems and, and get back in. And, you know, he's, he's clearly a great talent. Sounds quite familiar, a Southern fullback getting a preference over the Scouts one for no good reason. <laughs> What I was going to say was, I quite like a lot Lauren James. I might have just build this up in my head because I like it. Obviously, I like wrestling and I like the storylines. But like, I loved at the World Cup when she got sent off. It was almost like Shades of Beckham. You know, when you think like it was a very similar yeah. setup, she got mm-hmm. sent off and then she's out on Twitter apologizing. And then you get like, she didn't get the redemption oh. of like. What did she do to get sent off? She stamped on someone. Stamped on oh, someone. right, okay. Similar yeah, sort of so, thing. Yeah, but it wasn't, it was like a bit off the ball. It wasn't really. Yeah, you know. yeah she, she'd kind of just been taken down, stamped. But I just think she didn't get the redemption in the final. That would have been storybook. But then yeah, Beckham but didn't it, get his. Definitely yeah, didn't get his first until Greece. So, yeah. you know, she, she still That's got still coming. Man. Yeah, so mine was more based on Lauren James than Reese James. Future of English football, men's and women's. Maybe we do leave that pole running for five years, then maybe that's the... That's what I mean, I'm, I'm getting on that, yeah. Like, we'll do that, Sean. <laughs> the real quiz. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, well presented argument, Sean. I think, shall we go to our guest, Paddy? Would you, would you like to uh, present your candidate for the Maroon 5? Uh, yeah, so I've gone um, with two brothers um, who, again, um, like the other suggestions, maybe not Callum's, but... Similar theme to Sean, they're both playing or have played at the top of the game. Uh, so I went with Colo and Yaya Torre. I think they were the first to, to come to mind, really, for me, because of how successful they both were. I think along on Sean's theme of, you know, how, how well Lauren James has done, I think that's a good point. Because I think I think for any older or, or any siblings, I think if you see the, the older sibling doing well, that's something that's easy to maybe take a back seat and think, oh, that, that's their thing. But I think there's only I think there's only two or three years between Colo and Yaya. But obviously Colo sort of becomes a household name a lot earlier, playing in the Premier League in sort of the early two thousands and then that Arsenal team is a big part in the Invincibles. Um and then he gets the move to City, um, when they're sort of starting to buy stars. I think he's the same summer as like Adair and Tevez and that that sort of um crop of players they brought in. Um and yeah, and then Yaya as well, I think, to come through. Um, in that Barcelona team under Guardiola when, you know, it, it was very a certain type of player, you know, t- technical, a lot smaller, intricate players. Um, and he's clearly, obviously, a big, powerful footballer. Very good technically as well. I think that's one of the things he's really underrated for. He had, he had both. And yeah, for him to come to the Premier League as well. And I think even now, you know, obviously with the rise of the Bruyne and thinking the way City have gone on and on and kept getting better, I think he, I think he's already been slightly forgotten. Yeah, yeah, sorry, in terms of how good he was. They both won the AFCON for Ivory Coast in 2015, so obviously a massive achievement for the country. And yeah, I just think, I mean, I'll be honest, I think they both seem really sound as well. Colo was really good for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, seems great as well. Don't, so you don't was... forget his bear. <laughs> yeah, too. Uh, yeah, there was that incident. But no, I think overall, I think in terms of two brothers, I think you will struggle to find two who are, who are both individually as good um, as them two. Maybe the Toshes. Good, good song as well. I was thinking of when when you said you were doing of, of like that that season where obviously that Yaya Torre season of thirteen fourteen obviously Colo was playing for Liverpool and obviously Liverpool and City were both got off the title and as an I even say Yaya Torre sort of dragged City to that title really at the end of the season you think of some of the goals where he's like run the length of the pitch and things like that just Colo give one away against West Brom or something where he passes one across the box and he drops point 
Yeah. I think that was earlier on, but you know, like when you look back at the, the end of the season, we obviously four fifths of the chat here love watching Steven Gerrard slip and remembering yeah. that one. But there's also you no know, drop as Yaya's dragon City's that league title, isn't he? Unbelievable that year. That season, yeah, yeah, totally. Get double figures, goals and assists. It's always one of them like screenshots that gets thrown around Twitter every now and again in terms of like his numbers that year. And it almost seems like, you know, when you see like a group of stats and you think that must be fake. Yeah. Because it just doesn't seem like that's sort of a forgotten about in terms of City titles. I think that's one that's sort of forgotten about because there's obviously the first one. There's the one when they get 100 points. So then there's been obviously a couple where they've picked those by a point. Whereas that title race, like for long periods, it was it was Chelsea as well, innit? Uh, and Liverpool sort of came to the to the title race late that year. And I think they won. I think we won about twelve, thirteen on the bounce, which got us in it. But yeah, when we beat City, but I think four or five games to go, they're, they're not well out of it, but they're a good few behind. And he sort of just drags them to it the last few games and they, they win them all. But yeah, Colo's a funny one for Liverpool because he sort of comes in and he's never meant to be a starter or anything like that. It sort of just has to be. And then he does have a few like comedy moments like that one against West Brom. I think he scores a funny own goal that same season against Fulham, but he just completely miskicks it. Um but towards the back end on the clock, um, he gets back on the side and he has a really good run towards the uh, UEFA Cup final. And he was just he was just he was just likable, wasn't he? He was always like playing with a smile on his face, always give everything. Um I think Colo is really one who's had that to like. No, I don't I don't dislike them. I think I would have hated Colo Torre a bit more if he wasn't a bit of a comedy figure for quite a bit of his Liverpool career and he was he was great before that, wasn't he? So nothing against. Interesting to see where like City fans would have him, you know, like of the last like fifth since the takeover, where, you know, I'm sure they'd have, you know, De Bruyne and David Silver. Silver. I imagine most of them would have yeah, yeah Torre, top three, maybe company as well. So maybe top yeah. five. But... If they if they don't, they're stupid. <laughs> I thought I was half City fans then, yeah. <laughs> but again, even like, still agree with me. The one where they win it ahead of United, oh, you know, people, you know, there was a couple of games there where he, like, I remember again, after they beat United, they beat Newcastle on the Sunday and he scores a brilliant goal there. And again, he scored the win in the cup final. He scored the win in the semi against United that year, like, which was them coming back. I think he was there from the start of the turnaround, whereas someone like De Bruyne, they were already, thing, I think. You know, I can remember he played. He played a Champions League final centre half, I think, when, yeah. when it was short. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, and you know, Pep doesn't particularly have bad footballers apart from Haaland, but and he, yeah. he played centre. He played centre half for Barca consistently, though, didn't he? Well, maybe he did. Yeah, probably. I suppose if you got Busquets, Javier in the Esther, he probably did. Yeah, do, I thought he did. Yeah, but yeah, right. Good shout. Um, shall we go to Bob? Who? Letting you behind the uh, curtain, we actually all don't know what Bob's going to do. Bob's kept it a surprise, so no we're all pretty excited to see what he's going to do here and deliver. Uh, after last week's episode, almost as soon as we finished recording, I thought, oh, I really should have picked Victor Anichavi there, and I really regret not going for him, uh, just for comedy, really, but it's beside the point. So this, this week, I've gone back to what everyone's expecting and gone for a very strong Everton link. And when Callum was talking about his so-called dynasty, I thought a change in my one last minute to go for the longevity and I could have gone for Alan Ball, absolute legend for Everton. His dad and his son completed a trilogy of their family who managed in the football league. So I could have gone for that. But I'm going to go start with a teammate of Alan Ball, uh, league winner in 1969, I believe. 
That man is Alan Whistle. 70. What? 69. Okay, 69, 70. Sorry. So he's the first of the famous footballing family. Second of those is, I think, Everton's youngest captain. Recently departed. We all miss him terribly. Mr. Tom Davis. So I don't think we need a poll anymore. Just stick those two straight on the island. <laughs> How would he relate to Bob? Oh, yeah, I should have said that. Um, Alan Whittle is Tom Davis's uncle. That's oh. why I asked if I could have any relation and you confirmed the good. So back to form with a Everton link. I'm not going to lie. When you said that Everton link and Victor and JB, I thought you were going for it will be in a cotcher. Oh, which arguably is better. No, arguably. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no question uh, I just uh, don't even know what to say yeah exactly so I re- that, that means I win because no one's got any comment I reckon we might have to close Maroon 5 this week Josh <laughs> it's absolute it's shambles it's not an absolute shambles I have heard of Alan Whitlow I think obviously I think he's around he's been a very good Everton player but Oh, yeah. Of yeah, that's a good that's a good legacy. I have heard of him. No one no one's heard of any of Callum's and he took half an hour talking about his. Yeah, but Tom, man the story shown. Of the Tom Davis story. Is it yeah. a good one? I think I've told you all, but I'll say I'll tell anyway. Oh yeah. Me and Paddy were at Marine one cold Tuesday night. And as Paddy always does, he's talking about how great he is a footy. And he was he was talking Never about passes, the passes though. Well yeah, he doesn't have the ball either. He was talking about his glory days at West Ham because he was saying that the difference between Marine players and, he, and him wasn't that big. That's not what, that's that, not what yeah. conversation was at all. <laughs> not like that bad. <laughs> and then, and then um, he was talking about his glory days in West Derby. And he said when he was a kid, he used to consistently play against Tom Davis and pocket him when they were kids. He'd absolutely Again, I didn't say that either. I'm, I'm, sure, Paddy, I'm I, paraphrasing. I should have told the story. <laughs> have you ever scored a goal like that one against City? No. And then you wouldn't have scored it if I was on the pitch. And then after the story, after he's after he's slagged Tom Davis off for five minutes about how bang average he is, we turned around and the row behind us, Tom Davis is up there. What a man! Yeah, and he, and then Paddy, you've never seen Paddy just go into himself anymore and say a word for the rest of the game. I did when we were on the canal boat when Lucian had to go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit niche, that Tosh. Yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah, has anyone else got any thoughts on Alan Whitlow? Well, I mean, I, I think it shows how we've had to tell our own Tom Davis stories. <laughs> we've, we've, all, we've all got our own, haven't we? Has anyone got an Alan Whittle story while we're here? Or? <laughs> Eddie Gray probably does. Might do. Uh, anyway, Cal, I thought you had no chance before this, but. Say <laughs> <laughs> what? Could be interesting. Yeah. Just wait until I win. Was yeah. Tom Davis, what, did Tom Davis come to your school as well, Sean? Was it, or was no. it just Andy Gordon? Oh, yeah. T- oh, sorry. Tom Davis did. And Andy Gordon, yeah. Yeah. I got. I, got, I don't know if we want another Tom Davis story. Yeah, <laughs> more, more. Okay, I'll tell you how nice a fella he is. In the old school, when we played Crystal Palace at the end of the season, we were on residential. So all our kids were interested. So we recorded a video of me telling them the score. And it half went like, Everton viral a little bit, which weirdly I was at, I was on a training course last week and I was talking about it to some fella and he was going oh I, was, I saw that was that you yeah and I felt like a proper celebrity. <laughs> so yeah, so then through that we ended up getting a visit from 
Everton in the community, and he brought Tom Davis and Anthony Gordon, who, for all his criticisms, I'll never slag him off. He's my mate. They, they were great with the kids, and then at the end of their little trip, the kids had a footy match, and the two of them stayed. They got involved in team talks, were given advice, and just generally was dead sound. And Tom Davis actually recorded the video for my wife, who fancies him a lot. And he, I asked him, you, sh- you shaved his head just like yours, Sean. I know. I think it's because he didn't want to take her from me. Yeah, it's fair enough. What a nice lad. Yeah, he's a really nice fella. Our kids used to deliver papers to his house and he used to tip very well. So, what a fella. You know what? It's another story. Hey, I've changed it. You can for Tom Davis and I'm little, please. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't say, I, I wasn't adding the context of the act to be good at footy and just talking about nice lads, yeah. Yeah. You're, you, all you've done, Bobby's just say the names and everyone else is giving you an argument for you. That's what I know, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to. I, I don't have to make a case, do I? Because everyone already knows. It was meant to be football and families. Bob's just done nice families. <laughs> I still think it went. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see when, when Tosh has a go. You should have really done a show with them two anecdotes. To be honest, I'm sorry you didn't come with Davis and Whittle. <laughs> oh well, if I knew who he was. All right, then finishing off. I will finish off deliberately. I will be doing Bobby and Jack Charlton. Who obviously both now passed away, Bobby passing away on Saturday. And I think I'll make a couple of short arguments. I was very sad to hear the news. It was someone growing up. I've I've read a couple of books about Bobby, the ones he wrote himself, autobiographies about his England and Manchester United years. And I think when you talk about sorts of success and achievements, playing in a similar era to the likes of Eddie Gray and Alan Whittle, you know, both being on the field, both starting a World Cup final and winning that World Cup final. Being key part of that, Bobby scoring a couple in the semi-final. And man, Mark and Franz Beckenbauer, they both won league titles for Manchester United and Leeds. Both actually won Football of the Year in successive years, the Football Writers Award in 66 and 67. I think two very different characters. I think Bobby was a very naturally gifted as a youngster, he was obviously famously in the Busby Babes. He was obviously involved in the Munich Air disaster. Again, very famously, maybe he changed his seat before the third and final attempt to take off. He always was very dealt with that with a lot of dignity and a lot of sort of class. And I think that was something you've seen a lot in his later career, always in the stands with his wife and things like that. He obviously then went on to win the European Cup in 1968, scoring two in the final against Benfica. You know, I think... He just is Mr. Man United, I think, with Bobby. When you ask people, the greatest Manchester United player ever, the greatest England player, I think if he's not the really? answer, yeah, if he's not the answer, he's in the top three, I think. Just what he does, I think 1970 in the World Cup, he gets taken off with England winning in the quarterfinals. They get beat, you know, England may have won that competition again. I think with regards to Jack, you know, a different sort of character. He actually went to work before he was picked for Leeds. He was actually going to follow in his father's footsteps, working down the pits. He only made his England debut at the age of 29. Some people say, to make an evident link, that Brian LeBone would have started if it wasn't for his wife giving birth and having a, well, having a baby around that time. But Jack Charlton, I think, would have actually played. He was selected. He was actually selected after Leeds had played Man United. And he goes into the changing room and tells Bobby that I've been selected for England after Leeds have beaten them. And I think Bobby responds something like, that's great news, now F off out the changing room. Just two fantastic sorts of examples of English footballers coming from a, a very working class background. The difference, I suppose, where Jack comes superior is his managerial career. He had spells at Middlesbrough, he had spells at Sheffield Wednesday, quite highly thought of there, but most famously with Ireland, where 
he qualified for the first competition in 88 where he did beat England in the Euros. He qualified for 90 where he got out the group. He won a knockout round on penalties. And then very famously in 1994, he beat Italy, who went on to get to the final. There's not many people in um, Ireland who like a lot of English people, I think. But I think Jack Charlton's revered over there. And again, I think I was looking at doing a bit of research and obviously there's a lot of news about Bobby Charlton and there's there's a couple of things that I seen. There was an article in the Guardian by Jonathan Wilson talking about the photo. There's a photo of the two of them on the turf at the end of Wembley. And I think the very quite famously there's they had a bit of a fallen out towards the end of the career, but that photo of two brothers on the pitch after winning the World Cup, just a fantastic photo. And then also a clip of you might have seen, I think it's all over Twitter on a, a sports personality award where he gets Bobby's getting a lifetime achievement and Jack Jack Charlton just says something like Bobby Charlton's the best footballer I've ever seen and he's my brother. Both passed away now. I think there's a, a brilliant documentary, I can't remember the name of it, about Jack Charlton. I watched a couple of years ago, dead sad about the end of his life, but fantastic sort of character. He was seen as the more outgoing one. Everyone sort of loved him. Bobby was quite quiet, but as I say, I think Bobby he's someone I've always sort of loved. I was really saddened to hear the news the other day, just as a, as a player. I think he's one of them players where I think if he was playing now, he would be loved. Just scores brilliant goals. He just seems to be, every time he gets within 30 yards, it's just sort of smacking it and just nothing more than that really. Just as, you know, he scores a couple like that for him. He scores one at Anfield like that, which I love when United are an all-white kit. But yeah, I can't really think of much more to say. I had a couple of other things, I think, but I've, I've lost my notes. So Jack Charlton on the hard honorary Irish citizenship as well so that's another point for him yeah as I say I think you know, as we said there's not you know famously don't particularly like English people but he, he's absolutely loved any other thoughts or I don't know about the two of them too well Tosh but yeah didn't he famously not get on for quite a long time like wasn't, yeah. wasn't Jack I think it was something to do with the mum wasn't it yeah it was to do with I read just uh, through Tosh's book love this book here um Two brothers, only from this year, by Jonathan Wilson, who I've mentioned. And it's to do with, apparently, Bobby's wife and his mum didn't get on particularly well. So Bobby became a bit estranged from the family, whereas Jack Chart was like, Jack was absolutely loved. Like, Jack was always like the sort of, just the life and soul of the party type thing. The other, other thing as well, if we're bringing in the rest of the family, they're actually, I think the mum's cousin is Jackie Milburn. So another extra thing as well in the family. But yeah, I, my focus was on the two, two of them just... Fantastic. Didn't Jack didn't Jack get the Ireland job? As in, didn't he act, act outwardly seek the Ireland job almost to like get back in England? Because he wasn't even offered an interview or something for Yeah, the, do you know what? I, 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 that sort of does ring a bell. I think there was. There was a few people at, at that time, I think England was sort of looking different ways. So obviously famously Brian Clough wasn't really sort of considered around that time. It was always something that put his nose out, but I think it was similar to Jack as at the end. I think Sheffield Wednesday did bring Joe Wednesday. I remember we used to, when I was at uni in Sheffield, we used to do exams at Sheffield Wednesday. And there was, a, I can't remember what it was called, a Jack Charlton suite. But like, there was a, one of the reasons the exams, it was just full of photos of Jack Charlton. At that time, I didn't even know like he had a link to them. But yeah, I think obviously as well, Lincoln to Callum's and he's in that Leeds tie. You know, that, that Leeds side is one of the most famous English football sides, you know, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but some brilliant footballers in there and Jack. Jack was sort of say football of the year one year. Yeah, I, I read a quote as well with obviously with all that stuff with Bobby at the weekend, and it was something along the lines of you'll probably be able to tell me it verbatim, Tosh, but it was like Jack said, Bobby was really good at football, and I was really good at stopping people being good at football. Which like I like that because as a defender, my job is to stop you being good. That's the only way I can get by. And I, I really like the fact he doesn't see he seems quite a humble fella who 
oh, yeah, almost I couldn't believe the career he had almost. And and did yeah. did it in spite of things as well. Like maybe did it in spite of Bobby at times, almost seeing how, how heralded his brother was might have been a bit of a spare on to him. So like Yeah, I think, think I think that's definitely true. I think like as I say, I mentioned the, you know, he was gen he was like toying, he was quite old, you know what I think. Bobby he was at United from the age of very young, you know, he was like he had the choice of going up to Leeds for a bit of a trial or a, a few weeks or going down the pits, I think. So just a very working cast family. I think it was Ashington near Newcastle. The dad, I think, actually missed the World Cup semi-final because he was down the pit. And like yeah. Bobby, yeah, Bobby scored two. I think Jack Charlton gave away a penalty that day as well. But you know, that was sort of like the you know, just like sums it up really, just after the family and the the working class background and Bobby having to move up. Well, and both moving away to Leeds and Manchester. But yeah. Just very sad news, and uh, hope he rests in peace. I'll be both them. Okay, then. So, brings to the end our Maroon 5 feature. So, just a quick recap there was the Greys, the Tories, the James, the Whittle slash Davises, and the Charltons. So, remember to go to Twitter and give whatever you think is the best football and family a vote, and we'll give you the results this time next week. Where are you putting the. Um... Mike Bassett clipping. I'll find some. Tell you what, now. You are right there, Swalsey. Yeah, yeah, Mark. You got the best part of the dressing room here, you know. It's Charlton's lucky peg. Yeah. Oi, cheer up, boys. I've got Bobby Charlton's lucky peg. <laughs> no, Jackie. Jackie Charlton. Oh, that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> what a film. So that was another great round of Maroon 5. We'll see who you vote for. Looking forward to seeing those votes come in. We will now go on to review the Merseyside derby that happened over the weekend. It was a game of plenty of talking points. And we've got our resident Liverpool fan for this weekend here to maybe either argue or agree with us. I'm sure we've got lots of grievances. But maybe just before we go on to that, we'd like to say that Obviously, very saddened here of the passing of Bill Kenwright, so obviously Everton chairman. I've been chairman for a long time. So, yeah. Longer serving. Yeah, pass our thoughts to his family and friends, and yeah, hopefully he rests in peace. But I will hand it over to Bob, who is the only one of us wearing an Everton shirt, and he can start his Merseyside derby review, and we might watch Paddy... Um, Squeam a bit uh, as we all kind of have a go at him, but yeah. No, I I think I'm going to be completely reasonable. I'm probably just going to regurgitate. Sorry, there's a first. Yeah, there's, I I think I'm just going to regurgitate what I said in the preview. I think I said that I can't see Everton getting much out of the game, but if there's any risk of us getting a point. The referee is going to get involved by either. Set, I think I said send seven players off. That was obviously a bit ridiculous. Then give four pens. So I think I had the numbers right, but I got the general script the correct, I think. Yeah, at least the theme, I got that right. Ashley Young sending off was stupid, and I've seen some people say that it was harsh on him, but I think it's overwhelmingly the case that Ashley Young is pushing 40 years of age. He came in and as this experienced, reliable professional, he shouldn't be making that kind of mistake to give away a stupid foul. Having already been given a booking, he should have known that if he's given the referee in a Merseyside derby that decision to make, he's going to make it against them. So I, I'll, I'll blame Ashley Young 
over the ref for that, but obviously the lack of consistency to not send Canate off is the frustrating part of Ashley Young sending off. And they say inconsistency, it is it was always going to happen. The Canate mm. thing. I'm not at all surprised that he didn't send them off because it's a derby at Anfield. Liverpool had a decision go against him for the first time since Pickford's challenge on Van Dijk the other day. So I think we're still paying for that really. So two sendings off covered there. The pen again. It's a experienced professional, and Michael Keane. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't have his arm out like that. I, th- I think it was probably the right decision to give the pen, but on the other side of it, I don't think we'd get that pen in a million years at Anfield. He didn't give it to be fair, Bob. Okay, if if he goes to look at the screen and and in that situation he'd say, "Oh no, I got it right the first time round." We wouldn't get that pen in a million years. I obviously agree. Obviously, he didn't give it, but there's no way he he's seen that and thought, "I can't give that." He's looking right at it. I don't think he thinks it's come off his knee or something. I think he knows exactly what's happened, but and in the moment he doesn't think, "Oh, that's worthy of a handball." So I I don't see kind of what the difference of the VAR makes. But I I I think it's one of those. I'd want it given for us. No, exactly. Yeah. Us get it and field, but I'm, I'm blaming Keane over it's... that because again, he's given the referee a decision to make yeah. it stupid. The number of, I think you said the stats that four of our last five pens we conceded have been because of Michael Keane. Maybe yeah, three out three of four. four. Last so it, four. it just showed we've been cursed by Michael Keane for seven, eight years. Now he keeps on making mistakes. Yeah, it was in that's what it was. It was clumsy, wasn't it? It was clumsy, but it was, again, it was it was a classic Michael Keane, wasn't yeah, it? it? Probably, it probably is a penalty. I don't think anyone really mourns about that. I think it's more the fact yeah. that, and it, as you say, Bob, I don't think anyone really mourns about the Youngs Bookins. I think it's probably yeah. harsh in that someone makes two tackles in in, in the first. Oh half yeah, that was the other one. Uh, Tamikas was on yeah. four fouls and didn't didn't have anything. Yeah, and um, his his first one was the same as Young's first one as well. Yeah. Just a couple of minutes later, I just think that you know how often does that happen? Someone gets two yellows in a heart in the first half. Yeah, you know we see him with Canate. He got a chance to bring him off because he Klopp knew the next the next tackle he goes. Young wasn't given. But I but I think you probably was he. I think you probably think that Ashley Young. Oh, he's not going to make that mistake and give another foul away this half. Yeah, but what but I'm I- saying that. That one would have been his one, wouldn't he? I, if he makes yeah, that and he's not get booked, possibly gets brought off at half time. Yeah, possibly. As well, I, sorry, just that like that point you're trying to make, Cam. You know, a few weeks ago that Kovacic against Arsenal, where yeah, yeah, in, and that everyone says and like, which you sort of say, oh, it's a big game. You know, you just give him a chance, don't you? And again, at, like everyone, you look at them two tackles in isolation; they're both buttons. Yeah, and I think when you like, we were saying, I, I actually for some reason watched it in a pub. And the Everton fans amongst us were saying, you know, you can't really complain. It's just stupid. Yeah. But you think, oh, could you just give him a chance? And one of us actually said, if it, as Bob says, and I know we say it often, and you, you often say it as a sort of cop out. Oh, it was the other way around. It doesn't happen. But then he actually goes and does it. And that's the thing which sort of baffles you. You think he must know that if he sends him off, that he's got to send Canate off. Like he yeah. must know. Yeah. If that first incident happens, we'd all be saying, okay, yeah, he should have been sent off. You know, he might be given, you know, but I, that's the bit that it actually baffles me how he's not set, like, just how stupid he must be that he must know. And he's, he's not asked, he's still, oh, I'll still do it, you know. I think on the young one, I think what you're saying about, like what you said there, Callum, about does he, he doesn't give him a chance to be like, you've got one more. I, I mean, I'm, this is no consolation. I'm not saying this is how you should referee games, but I wonder if it, the tackles are the other way around. Whether that first one, so say if you make say the one that he gets the second yellow for, if that's his first yellow card, 
I wonder if he'd have sent him for if he'd done a similar foul. I'm not saying that's right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just think when you're not when 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 he got booked young, whatever you think of the first yellow card, I think it probably is a yellow card. I, I thought you should take him off straight away because I thought yeah. regardless of how experienced he is, he's playing against a, a fast, tricky winger who's just gonna get at him at every chance now. So anything. If he makes if he makes if he makes one foul and the ref lets him off. The fact that, that the second one is such a blatant yellow card, I just don't think he's helped himself at all. No, it, it was just stupid of him, and it's the inconsistency that is the great. Another thing on the pen, I saw someone uh, jump into the defender Michael Keane say, "Oh, not even defender Michael Keane, just saying everyone's made up that that was Keane doing that rather than Brantley." But it's just such a stupid thing to say when Michael Keane does that kind of thing so often. It's not a one-off for Michael Keane, is it? And Jared Brantwaite is probably the best centre-back in the world at the moment. I thought Keane was a, a strange sub because I, I can sort of understand why you go, well, we've got 10 men, we put another centre-half on. But when he came on, I thought straight away, well, we'll, we'll always have a chance to score because, while he's on the pitch because he might give away a penalty. I'd have, might... I'd have gone for Godfrey, considering the pace and Liverpool's front three. Going I, for I, a... Honest, I, I think, he, I think it's, it was possibly too early to take off as many attackers yeah. as you did. I don't see if I yeah. think it could you could have made an argument to keep at least kind one of them of wingers on typical, as a wing back. Yeah, typical vice really though, wasn't it? Well I think all in all I would I was pleasantly surprised with most of our performance really and a a, a lot less pessimistic about another relegation fight I haven't seen what I saw over the weekend. Yeah, I think obviously guys we had all our predictions last week, didn't we? And I sort of said we might next up we might get a draw, and I, to be honest, I think up until the up until the young sending off, we were more than in the game. I think it was the game had a bit of an end to end to it without any team really having any sort of real massive chances. But obviously, we going the plan for us was obviously to get into half time at nil nil. We do that, and you know, we come back out if we got eleven men. Harrison and McNeil stay on the pitch, and I don't know the game might might change a bit. As, as we go through that game. So, I, I, yeah, I think the, the sending off just ruined it, which is annoying. But then, obviously, at 0-0, the chance for Canate to go off but to back in our favour a bit. And I think Liverpool, just before that, had made all their kind of attacking subs. So, Liverpool would have been very unbalanced, I think. I think they'd already brought on Nunes and Elliot at that point, I think. So, you know, they, they've... they've Liverpool kind of thrown their hand in. So, you know, to lose a centre-back at that moment, that would have been a bit of a reshuffle for Liverpool then and we would have been settled in the game. So... Yeah, a bit frustrating, a bit annoying, but I mean, just to bring it up, Bob seems though you did about the Van Dyke thing and people, Liverpool fans still moaning about that. Everyone seems to forget that he was actually offside. There was an offside before Pickford put that tackle in. So, yeah, so everyone needs to stop moaning about that. Everyone forgets that it was offside. So it's it's a, anyway. They're still, talk, still talking about I know we are as well, just for the comedy of it. But that was, what, a thousand and odd days ago now. Still talking about it and people will forget about this Canate thing within a week, I reckon. I don't think it was a yellow. The Pickford one. <laughs> That's all we want, Pad. A bit of bite. Come on. What were your general thoughts on Liverpool, Paddy? Yeah, I think it just followed the, a similar theme to other derbies, I think. Especially the Anfield one. I never really, really see the Anfield one as the derby. I think Goodison's always a bit more feisty and feels a bit more like a derby. I mean, with your struggles the last like four or five years now, it just it it like it, it does feel like a just a tricky game against the bottom half team where you're gonna sit in. I get why. And it's just gonna be a case of us trying to break just down, which has sort of been the case. I, I it's easy to say now and things like that, but I actually don't think that I get why you feel aggrieved by the Canate by Canate staying on the pitch, but I just don't 
think it would have changed a lot. I I never felt like you were going to hold on purely because we just we've tended not in like the the last five or six years under Klopp we've tended not to draw Combs nil nil at home. We've we've always managed to score, and I thought especially with like the likes of Keane on the pitch for use, even Pickford as well has been prone to an error at Anfield. I always just thought we'd find a way to get a goal. So I thought the ground was quiet, and I think that the R12 and England always is. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. But yeah, it wasn't a nervous energy. I, I thought the goal would come. And yeah, and then, uh, and obviously when it did, it was, we, we were always going to win because I don't think you'd be ever going to find a way back yeah. into the game with 10 men. And, but yeah, no, I'm fairly comfortable. There's always that worry with a dice team on set pieces. Um, but I thought I thought you were poor from that perspective as well. He didn't really trouble us there. So you were fair. more threatening from our set pieces. Yeah, no, I thought the, the, the only way we'd score first half really was, I think we broke three or four times and that final pass was poor, but... I think I agree with what you said. I think the Canate one, I don't think it would have changed much in terms of we certainly wouldn't have probably gone much more attacking. I don't know. I, I was I being the negative fan I am, I was sort of you're thinking, oh, they are gonna score, they're gonna score. But it was sort of getting to that point where you think oh, maybe they actually won't. No, you know, they got to 70 odd minutes and they haven't. And as Cam said, not massively threatening. The threat tended to be on the counter in the first half. I don't know. But again, it's you know, Liverpool are a better side than Evan. Yeah, just as you say there, Tosh, my final point on is Liverpool don't need the ref to play as a 12th man for them to win the derby. They could they could have easily won that game without the ref getting involved. It's just unfair. The interesting CC one where it didn't, though. Never know, would you? Yeah, but they didn't need us to go down to 10 men. They, no. They're clearly the better team. They don't need the ref on their side as well. Yeah, stop being so smug, Paddy. Stop agreeing with us, Paddy. Argue with us. <laughs> it just isn't any arguments, is it really? Tosh has said we need to move on, so should we bring up the Jack Rodwell sending off a few years ago? <laughs> that ruined that man's career. Or the Graham Paul one where it goes in off Hutchinson's on Hutchinson's back. Yeah. And yeah, the Carragher, Carragher assault on Lescott. That was coming together. Was it? I muted myself there before I swore. So then. Before we go into our keeping up appearances game, we will preview this weekend's derby, which is the Manchester derby. Obviously a big one for both teams. Uh, both teams got big wins and much needed wins. Uh, the weekend just gone after the international break. So, yeah, it should be an interesting one next week. Manchester United, I think, will have that maybe added motivation. He'll have that emotional kind of charge there with the, the sad passing of Sir Bobby Charlton. You know, th- things sometimes happen like that in life and they might just get a bit of a, a mirac- miraculous win um, for him. But yeah, I think obviously City, you sense things always going into those games are probably favourites. Um, Sean, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, if I'm honest, my absence from the derby chat was mainly due to the fact I didn't watch the match and I've actually watched no football from the weekend. While the derby was being played, I was, I was in the air. And then I've just not caught up with any forties. Just that's what happens when you're away. But I can't really comment on this weekend. But based on what I've seen from like earlier on in the season, I think it should be a fairly straightforward win for City. I don't think United look particularly promising at all. Really, I feel like they're getting they're getting like outplayed by some of the littler teams in the league a bit too often for it to be a coincidence. Like thing against Burnley, the really struggled then against Brentford and then against Sheffield United again squeezing the victory I just I don't know I just don't think they look particularly good and I think that 
Everton are still playing about his best team and he's got injuries, but they just don't look like definitely don't look comfortable, do they? No, they don't at all. Unless unless they have a bit of Bobby Charlton inspired magic. That's what I mean. I think it's at it's at Old Trafford, isn't it? And you know, things just happen like that sometimes, don't they? And yeah, like it might just be tale. one of those yeah, it might just be tale. one of those days. But yeah, what Tosh, what, what do you reckon? I was just gonna add on to that. I think there's been a lot, obviously, the last four or five years, City have been extremely dominant. And I think probably every derby you've gone and said things like that. And I think United have not got a terrible record. I think Ollie had a decent record against them. United did beat them at United last year when City were mm-hmm. dominant. So yeah. I actually I did my research, like sure, unlike Sean, I watched the first half of Man City. And I've got to say, the first half of Man City was the best I've seen Man City for a while. They were free flowing, I think. That Doku sort of gives them something different. I think I was talking to someone today and I said he reminds me of like when Sane first came for them, just that raw sort of pace and power and just a bit, I'm sure Pep will kick that out of him, but sort of like just something a bit different. He's running, he's cutting in, he's shooting, he's different. I don't know. But I thought that was the best I've seen. City. Apparently, second half, they weren't as good. But I think if City turn up and play like that, I don't think United will have much of an answer to it. You know, United starts on Saturday with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans centre-back. Now, they actually both played all right. I think Maguire may have been man of the match. I'm not too sure. I didn't see the end bit, but it's the difference between playing against Sheffield United and, you know, Haaland. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's hard. I'm trying to make a case for Man United and I think if City turn up, City win. But we have seen United last year, as I say, it was a similar sort of scenario and not only really, I know United was probably in better form going into it, but City went ahead in that game reasonably late on. United turned it round. So I, I don't think, you know, Man United, you never write off Man United the way you'd never write off Liverpool. But I think, yeah, I just think, as I say, I mentioned that City were the best I've seen in that first half against Brighton. Brighton played into the hands, like Brighton were open. But City actually looked with Foden and Bernardo and people like that. And even Haaland looked, you know, as he scored a goal outside the box, a great goal. I think, yeah, I think it's hard to see anything but a City win, really. Do you think that Doku Tosh? I he, he, I've seen some people on like Twitter and things call him a bit of a one trick pony because he seems to do that same little shuffle and down on his right foot. Yeah, is that like is that something? Do do you lot think defenders are going to become attuned to and become able to defend, or is he just? Is it one of those where like he can't do anything about even it, even though they know he's going to do it? He can't stop him because he's yeah, so quick. Out. When some wingers are that good at their one trick, like Robin, Arsenal, yeah, exactly. I, I don't think he'll ever be that level, but some wingers just are good enough mm-hmm. at one thing that you can't defend against. He's obviously very good at what he does. He's super quick, and you probably think the only fullback who's quicker than him is probably Walker, so he doesn't have to worry about that coming up against a faster uh, fullback. But I, I also think that obviously with City. You know, with maybe other teams where they've had like, you know, one really good player, it's a bit like, okay, the centre might double up with the fullback, but no centre back's going to double up with the fullback when you've got Haaland standing in the box. So he's that that duck who's more often than not going to have his his fullback 1v1 all the time. And that seems to be his game. So I think, yeah, it's, it's one of those where what does the defender even do about it? He was also playing against James Miller right back on Saturday, <laughs> you know. I actually have got a lot of respect for Milner and things like that, but you know that that was just never going to work. And I think Sean's arguments about sort of some defenders being wise to him, I think that probably will be the case. But I also think that Pep will coach him in a way that suits their system a bit more, a bit like what he did with Grealish. You know, Grealish wasn't the footballer he is now, 
that when he first signed for City, he probably was a bit more of a dribbler and a bit of a. Some might say that you know he, he's less of a footballer now. He just plays as part of a system. But you imagine there'll be an element of that. I, I, the first time I've really watched him properly, it felt like he's come off the bench in a couple of the games I've watched. But I was, yeah, but I really enjoyed watching. He's, him. he's not. Like I say he's not a typical City player, is he? But that's almost like the beauty of it. I think. But again, that's like the surprise element almost. You, you know, the the teams are set up to try and stop City in terms of the City pattern of play, and then you, you get the ball at all of it, sort of chaotic and chaos. Yeah, it's, there's definitely interesting matchups there, all over the pitch, really. But I think, as we've said, that I think it's cities, isn't it? Most probably. A little run round predictions. I'll go three one city. I'm going to put in there someone robbed my last week. So I was going to go four one. I am going four one city. I think if 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 it goes the right way, city could run all over them. I reckon one nil United for sure, Bobby. And I'll go two one city. I can't see a Tronson to be honest. Not that I think I think City are capable and United are capable of conceding that many, but I just can't say it. So I'll go two on City. I reckon Harry Maguire will get the winner to complete his redemption arc. Not sure he'll play. Tim Ferran came off the bench, didn't he? I actually thought Lindelof looked very good. Didn't, didn't, like say, didn't say he'd start. Just said he'd score the winner. Yeah, did he first. Right then, so it's time for another game of Keeping Up Appearances. These are the rules. We select three matches from this week's fixtures, which are entered into the Wheel of Fortune. This will randomly select our featured game. This match will be the focus of our discussions, predictions, and most importantly, our game of keeping up appearances. Once our fixture has been chosen, we'll use an online generator to provide a target number for our game. For us, this is anything between 50 and 450. Our job then, is to think of a player who's made that many appearances for either of our selected teams. Whoever's closest, wins. Each week, four points will go to the closest person, three points for second place, two points will go to third place, and the person who's furthest away gets one. These points will be accumulated over the whole season, and we'll update our league table each week. Rather than sticking to the derby theme like we did last week where we previewed the Merseyside derby and then played with that game, we're going to do it slightly differently. So we've previewed the Manchester derby, but we're going to include it in our random Wheel of Fortune. Rather than choosing it, we're going to leave it up to chance still. So our three games for this week are United City, Chelsea Brentford and Wolves Newcastle. So let's spin the wheel. And... We have Chelsea Brentford. Say Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's Chelsea, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, as we're not previewing any games, we might as well go straight in then and get our number as well. Parameters the same as ever. And our number this week is 128. That's a tough one, Callum. That is a very tough number, that. 129, I would, I would have had a go, but 128 uh, I think you could be tough number. I might be, but I think I'll do good this week. Okay. Oh, in fact, who's doing the song? Prissy Green Eyes, isn't it? <laughs> do a family one. You said you were going to do the cause, weren't you? No, surely it's got to be the Bee Gees. Uh, we could, could do an Oasis song. No. 
Manchester Dar- Manchester no. Derby. No family. You know what? You know what? We'll do that at the end of Paddy's goal. Makes yeah. it so much easier. No, I want to debate it now. What's the number again? 128. How many seasons is that? Three. It probably depends which team you go for. Chelsea, possibly a couple, like a couple with Chelsea in it, but it's probably more with Brentford, given that they wouldn't have like, no, the cup. What, what team I go for? So you, you're not you're not going for Brentford. How many's Tony had off again? Don't say you might be my pick. Yeah. This is probably too close to gambling to pick Tony. Oh, topical. I think I've got mine, by the way. I've got mine. This could be way off. Not to quote Callum, this I've got absolutely no idea what this one could be like. <laughs> I hope Callum is way off anyway. Gotta be smart going Brentford. Are you ready, Pad? I've got one. Right, so I think we've all got answers. And as Paddy needs to shoot off, we're gonna let him have his go, then we'll say goodbye to him, and then the rest of us will have our go. So go on, Pad, what's your guess for this week? Chelsea, as I think most of us will have done. I think it's tricky Chelsea as well, though, because I think a lot of players sort of in the last 10, 15 years have stayed there for long periods of time. So my pick is Fernando Torres. Uh, obviously, there's that Liverpool connection there. And I know I know he had his injury troubles, but I know there was a couple of seasons when he was at Chelsea where he might not have scored as many goals, but I think he did play a lot. I know the year Rafa was manager, they also won the Europa League. And I think he was top scorer in that competition, so... I base that on the logic of quite a high appearance season if he played a lot of league games and then obviously the Europa League, there's quite a quite a few games in that as well. So yeah, I'll be honest, I aimed for around the 100 mark and hoped that he'd be around that. But yeah, no, I, th- I don't think Torres would be a bad guess. I, be, I would be surprised if he's if he's much higher than that. Could um, be given... Wales. Yeah, could be Wales. But yeah, I'll go with Torres. Anyone volunteering to go next or is, are we bidding farewell to Pad? Well, should we just let him, let him go off silently in a bit rather than making a big oh, fuss? Right, he doesn't deserve it, to be fair, does he? Right, go on, who wants to go next, anyone? Or do you want me to just go? Go on, Sean, if you're, you're happy. Okay, I'm going, I go, I'd like to go to your man anyway, because I've only got one, so I don't want anyone to take it. I have chosen someone this week, who I actually mentioned a couple of weeks back, but for a different team, and I didn't go for them, but I nearly did, they were in me thinking, and that was a Newcastle player. But before they went to Newcastle, they were at Chelsea. So my guess this week is Damien Duff. Was it the left um, foot connection? Yeah, yeah, obviously. He was my hero growing up. Well, I'll go next. I have, I've got two in mind. One of which was actually makes me think of that early Chelsea team with Duff alongside. I, I was thinking Robin. I used to love, absolutely love Robin. Obviously, he reminds me of you a lot, Sean. Similar sort of style of player. Um, no way. Yeah, I was going to say, same same uh, airline. Same airline, same left foot. He was sort of my second one, because again, I know he was there. He wasn't there an awful long time, and he was obviously, he was injured, I think, at times. I've gone a bit different this time. I've tried to go a bit older, obviously, dominating the competition a bit too much. I need to give people a chance. I went a bit freestyle. I'm going to go Alex, the centre-half. Oh, interesting. I've, again, genuinely, not to quote you guys. <laughs> weird, I thought. Not to go it could be. Oh yeah, actually, Jamie could be well because he could just have like thirty appearances. But I seem to remember he was there a couple of years. Just I remember he scoring like some. He used to be, take a free kick and absolutely smack yeah. it, Alan Stubb style. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he molded his entire career off. 
yeah, I just I just thought he just popped to mind again. Difficult two, three seasons. I mean, head he was there that long, but he was obviously around the time of Terry and Carvalho. So I reckon he'd be on the lower side rather than the bigger side. But yeah, I'm not too sure. But I think he probably got slightly more than Robin. But maybe I'm wrong on that one. Go on, just last person was it? Oh, no, have we got a couple more? Me and Bob. Sorry, yeah. Bob. Yeah, I'm not going to quote you again. Alan, we've done too much of that and the joke will get old. I've surprisingly gone Brentford, but unsurprisingly have gone for a very slight Everton link. Somebody who came through our academy, but I don't think he ever made a professional appearance. I don't know why his name's stuck in my head for all these years, but I'm going to go for Jake Bidwell, who is now at Coventry, I think. Someone like that. I think he might... A few years at Brentford went to QPR, then Swansea, I think, and now he's at Coventry, possibly. Not much else to say, really. You just said he was like related to Alan Whittle or something as well. I was just, I was just going to say he's not related <laughs> to Alan Whittle, but I remember him. He was like, remember that, remember that game where we played Bait Borisov in the cold. Oh yeah, he, he played yeah. then. That was the only sort of recollection I have of him. Then, like when he played, he played all youngsters, didn't he? But honestly, yeah, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with that one. So, go on, Callum, finishes off. Cool. So I will also go with a Brentford player. And it's the first one that came to mind. I'll go with Ivan Tony. Who... No, he's he's banned from all football activity, so you can't say him. No, he's, you, he's you, not... you're gen... no, you're genuinely not allowed to have that. Um, no, I'm going to go Ivan Tony. No, you're not. I, he's probably been there for, He's probably been there for a few years. I think he had did he have one one in the championship, and he's had two in the Premiership now. So yeah, I'll I'll go him on the basis of yeah a few, a few seasons at Brentford. Without any sort of extra cup competitions, probably has you around the 120 mark. Could be way off, though. Could be. Could be very close. I'm confident. Cool. Right. Do this quick. Yeah. So we have checked the appearances on transfer markets, as always. Uh, trusted source. Um, the results are in, so we will go from fifth to first place. Fifth with a score of 211, is 83 out, was Mr. Jake Bidwell. Unfortunately for you, Bob. Um, yeah, it was a stab in the That's dark. A shock, but, it was a stab in the dark, but as some someone might say, it was way out. Um, he was a club legend. In fourth place, uh, with 172 appearances, was the guest's guess of Fernando Torres. She was 44 out. Um, and then the top three were very, very, very close and were only... There was a three-appearance gap between the three guesses. So in third place... With 134 appearances, was Tosh with Alex. Which is a very good shout there. So that leaves Duff and Tony for the top spot. And in second place, with 124 appearances, just missing out on first place with 125 appearances, was Ivan Tony being four out which means Damien Duff 
was three out of 125 and gives the win to Sean. I love left footer players, O'Hara. So, yeah, a good top three there of Kim Europeans. There's maybe the rude, possibly the closest top three. So, yeah, well done, guys. Some good shouts there and some good, some good efforts. Just to be able to check the records, I was I actually said Tony first, so I'll be having that one. Thank you. And <laughs> he's banned from all football activities, so you shouldn't be able to have him. Are we saying then, Sean, Bob's getting no points then, and Paddy would be getting one, yeah? Rude. Let's have a quick look then at our updated league table for this week. Tosh remains top with 35 points. Sean is now in second place with 30 points. And just below him, Callum and Bob are tied in third with 28 points. So that's another podcast done for this week. It was good to have Paddy with us as our, our special guest this week to review the the Merseyside derby. We've had a preview of this weekend's derby. I don't know if that'll be a weekly theme, probably not. Um, and yeah, another great game of keeping up appearances in which Sean was triumphant with a great shout, only three out. Me and Tosh, very close to him on that. And then, yeah, another great episode of the Maroon 5 and we'll see who you vote for so please interact with that on our X account the poll will probably go up on Friday um, so yeah have a vote vote who you think is the best and we'll catch you next week nicely done right good see you in a bit really enjoy your holiday I'll try hi Hannah hope you will <laughs>